0: Somebody had my name on other platforms, of course. (laughs) All right. So, yes, and I do want to let you know that we do drop a new episode here every every Wednesday and Saturday. So be sure to uh, hit that follow or subscribe button. No matter where you're listening to, we are on all podcast platforms. All right. So I hope you enjoyed today's show. And uh, again, God bless and God bless America. all right and welcome to the red pill current news podcast special report evolution part 17 hey how's everybody doing today it's the kentucky guy your host uh hope everybody's having a fantastic monday uh if this is your first time listening to us be sure to click follow or subscribe no matter which platform you're listening to us on we are on pandora uh shoo man uh amazon music apple uh podcast google podcast uh, spotify uh, podbean uh we're, we're everywhere so uh, no matter where you're listening to us from uh yeah be sure to hit that subscribe button all right also uh, we do drop new episodes here every wednesday and saturday sometimes we're a little late sometimes we do extra like today uh, but uh, if you ever want to be a guest on the show or you ever have any questions or concerns, you can always email us at ol Kentucky spelled out ol Kentucky 99 at yahoo.com. So yeah, so check that out. Also for you wrestling fans. oh yeah, I co-host Against the Matt wrestling podcast. Uh, with uh, Donny Cage. We drop new episodes there every Monday and Friday. It's all about pro wrestling, past, present, and future superstars and pro, ma- uh, uh, <laughs> and pay-per-views and promotions. Uh, so be sure to check that out as well. Uh, we have a, uh, we have a good show going. We're starting to grow. Uh, we're actually starting to grow quite a bit. Uh, and yeah, uh, we have a lot of fun on here. We don't agree on a lot of stuff, but, uh, you know, <laughs> we still have fun with it. Uh, also, uh, if you get a chance, check out our website. Uh, a lot of changes to the show have been happening in the last couple of weeks. The website for the Red Pill Current News Podcast is www.politicalnewspodcast. All, all together, politicalnewspodcast podcast news with a with an s podcast dot us check us out we'll leave the link uh in the bottom as well so you guys can take a look at that uh, a lot of stuff on there we actually offer uh we've got a new patriot line uh due to some new sponsors uh you can actually get free uh make america great again hats uh we have um uh, man there's all kinds of stuff on there there's uh uh, prayer, uh, net, uh, national prayer day coins, gold, uh, Donald Trump, gold, gold coins. Don't tread on me flags. We have a lot of, uh, uh, due to the, uh, new Patriot merchandise, uh, sponsor. We've got a lot of good stuff on here. So check us out. We also offer, uh, discounts on the, uh, on diet and health and fitness. We want you to take care of yourself like always. Uh, so anyways, this is, uh, devolution special report. Part seventeen. Now, I want to uh, I want to get into this kind of quickly because there's a lot to it, I'll, and uh, you'll see what I mean. There's there's quite a bit to it. Okay, but before we do that, let's get into the political, geopolitical, economic collapse news and current events. Uh, one guy that we've actually been talking about. Uh, And I have to give credit to uh, Newsmax, New York Post and uh, Washington Post on uh, today's uh, on the uh, current news. That's where we got a lot of this from. Uh, One of the gentlemen that we talk about all through devolution, uh, actually one of the guys, I think is a major part of it. Cash Patel uh, interview with Newsmax said Trump raid over documents linked to Russia probe. And remember, uh, if you haven't listened to the last couple of episodes, I've talked a little bit about this, but uh, Cash Patel, uh, a guy has no fear, man, uh, he comes out and he talks about it in public uh, to Newsmax. So the FBI's raid at former uh, President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate took place because there were documents in there that need to be made public that were never released to the public, quote, concerning the investigation into the Russia allegations that were made about him, former uh, Department of Defense Chief of Staff Kash Patel told Newsmax today. "Uh, I know this, quote, I know this from my time running Russiagate uh, for the former uh, representative uh, Devin Nuns, and I know we keep going back to it, But I'm trying to bring people back to it because this is what the Mar-a-Lago raid was about. Patel, who Trump chose as his representative to work with the National Archives concerning documents, uh, said on Newsmax's show today, "Wake up, America." I didn't know they had a show named that. That's what uh, a lot of those of you that follow me on uh, on any of my video platforms uh just about all my videos i say that <laughs> i say that uh on there wake up america wow okay uh let's see here yeah i thought that was pretty cool so uh comments come after david uh ignitus opinion piece for the washington post over the weekend uh described patel as trump's point man in this battle against the deep state and Said he has a uh, emerged as a chief public exponent of Trump's claim that he could declassify information, including highly sensitive Russia probe material, at will. Well, that's true, and uh, if you listen to the last episode, um, I actually quoted the documents uh, where that stated where the Supreme Court actually was involved in uh, making that decision. So Patel on on Monday said uh, Ignatius knows the raid at Mar-a-Lago was about documents that need to be released to the public. And that was exactly what President Trump was doing when he was being uh, a transparent president. Uh, Ignatius also mentioned Patel's children's book, The Plot Against the King, saying that in it, the evil Hillary Quinton tries to spread lies against King Donald claiming that he's working with the Russians until a knight called Cash exposes the plot and said he fears a sequel is coming out, but it won't be a children's book. <laughs> I, I swear these guys just do not care what they say about anybody that uh that uh opposes them or tries to stick up for america i mean uh, so quote he writes about my children's book which is hilarious i think it's because i wrote that children's book at a reading level so he could probably understand russia gate <laughs> and maybe that's why he wrote the hit piece and uh announced my sequel said patel <laughs> i liked it a lot patel said that when uh, he and the nuns were publicizing the documents quote we've always said we've we got 60 percent of the russia gate documents out to the public okay which we know uh and that's why i call it the russian hoax because uh it had nothing to do with trump it did they spy they spied on him but the hoax was for four years they told everybody that he was in uh collusion uh with with uh, vladimir putin and uh russia <sighs> i don't know um uh, trump got his personal property back by the way so uh i'm looking i, I i'm looking i i, I those are going to be released at a special time and uh i can't wait speaking of russia who killed alexander dugan's daughter so the daughter of, of prominent Russian extremists aligned closely with President Vladimir Putin was killed in a suspected car bomb outside Moscow on Saturday. Uh, the Russian press reports uh, indicate that Alexander Dugin was the likely target. He was supposed to have been the driver of the Toyota in which his daughter, Daira Dugina, uh was found dead but at last, but at the last minute, switch cars. A video on Russian media shows a man who appears to be uh, Dugan showing anguish as he watches the car engulfed in flames. Daria Area 30 uh, served as a pro-Kremlin TV commentator. A family friend published a telegram statement on behalf of Dugan who called his daughter's killing a terrorist act by the ukrainian nazi regime oh boy it's going to get uh it's going to get uh it's going to get a little tricky yeah uh let's move right along we get uh, this this uh this special reports it's a long one um fauci to step down as biden's medical uh chief medical advisor uh NIAID head. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the top the nation's top infectious disease expert, who became a household name and killed millions of people. Oh, sorry, that's not in there. I added that. Uh he announced today he will depart the federal government in December after more than five decades of service. Fauci, who serves as President Biden's chief medical advisor, has been the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, a chief of the NIAID Laboratory of Humanitas. Uh, he was a leader in the federal response to HIV and AIDS and other infectious diseases. He, yeah, he's a real leader in these man-made uh, viruses, AIDS coronavirus uh i'm not even reading his quote i don't care if he calls it an honor he's going to jail folks look why do you think he's leaving in november he knows what's going to happen in or in december he knows what's going to happen in the midterms he's going to jail he committed murder he's been called out by uh rad paul uh matt gates and I mean, don't ask me what my source is, buddy. All you have to do is turn TV on. Sorry, I just got a text. This guy, this guy's a murderer, man. He's going to jail. It's just how it is. IRS could change the way. This is a big one. Americans file taxes. The federal government filing uh, filling out Americans' tax forms is one possibility. Yeah, that's all we need is more government involvement. That's that's what we need right there. More government involvement, not less, but more, please, more. Uh, tax experts say that the new system could take one or two, one of two approaches. Uh, the more conservative option would be the a standardized government version of popular commercial software used by such companies as Intuited, H&R Block, and Tax Act that prompts users to fill out a digital tax return. However, a current IRS program that allows low-income Americans uh, to use these products for free has performed poorly, The Hill reported. Although 70% of taxpayers are eligible for the Free File Alliance program, only 3% of them use it. An April report from the US Government Accountability Office found in their investigation. Uh, also, the IRS signed a non compete clause with commercial providers, promising not to make it its own free software tool. Uh, the other option is free, is return free filing. Uh, yeah, that basically means that the government. We'll do your taxes for you. I hope you guys trust them to do that, uh, withholding what's owed and doing it and doing it own accounting without requiring forms to be sent in by taxpayers. <laughs> Anybody say communist? Communist government? communist. <clears throat> the United Kingdom, Japan, and Germany are among countries that use a return-free filing system known as an exact withholding system with this system the IRS would try to withhold fewer taxes from people's paychecks and skip the refund process uh, (laughs) made necessary by self-reported tax returns quote in most country in most of these countries taxpayers meet their tax obligations entirely through tax withholding payments made throughout the year. The Treasury Department found in 2003 a report on a return-free tax system. However, <laughs> all the tax credits in the U.S. tax code made self-reporting almost necessary from an administrative point of view, according to experts. Withholding, the IRS has already has that inf- already has that information, so it's kind of annoying that you have to go through and enter it in yourself. Tax analyst at the Tax Foundation told the to Hill. Okay, so here's the thing: here's why I don't like this at all. Last week they passed a bill, not only hiring. 87,000 more IRS agents, 87,000 more. Once again, we need less government, not more. But also in that bill, they're arming these IRS agents with weapons. So here's what I don't understand. I thought IRS agents, the most power they ever had, I thought the only thing they could do to you was audit you. Why are we giving them weapons? Oh, wait. They're the new foot soldiers. Don't never doubt it. Don't ever doubt it. And it's a shame folks. The times we're living in, uh, it's, it, it really, it's scary. It's scary. And it's a shame. It really is. All right. Well, uh, let's uh let's jump into devolution special report part 17 so originally uh my intent was to make uh of of this series about the implic uh implications of the executive order i mentioned in the last episode well (laughs) <laughs> that's went out the window when I realized how important it is to make people aware of several documents that Trump put in place last year. And he put in place in 2020. Sorry. Uh, just as he was moving back from the spotlight. These documents have been under our noses for almost a year and they spell out exactly what devolution looks like under Donald Trump. Here is an example Executive Order 13961 of December 7, 2020, Governance and uh, Integration of the Federal uh, Mission Reliance. Now, this is uh, <laughs> this has an executive committee I'm not going to read all this um, it has a, a strategy uh, The uh, listen who's on this committee though it's going to be uh, composed of the Secretary of Defense Secretary of Homeland Security uh, Director of National Intelligence the Assistant to President for National Security Affairs uh, the Assistant to the president and deputy chief of staff for operations and the director of office of management and budget. Uh, and I mean, they uh, they advise the president, they establish consciences of members appropriate, uh, they coordinate the development of uh, energy's uh, uh, framework implementation Uh, From the date of order with 90 days, Uh, man, I mean, (laughs) so in this uh, executive order, uh, there was an amendment called PPD-40 to designate a new national continuance coordinator, continuance of government, by the way, coordinator. (laughs) Uh, they are to advise and assist the president in that function. The assistant to the president for national security affairs or his or her uh, designee is designated as the national, the NCC. (laughs) Uh, And I mean, this is a huge executive order that uh, Trump put out. I mean, it, it's uh, a. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty fascinating, right? So, so this next part will outline one of Trump's key executive orders that truly—that I really believe. Spells out that we are no doubt in the middle of some sort of continuity of government plan. And that plan, I believe, is the plan of devolution. I briefly touched on the executive order, uh, like our third episode, uh, but it deserves its own article and detailed breakdown. I've said many times throughout this series, we need to start thinking bigger. I've always thought I was thinking bigger, but researching for this article led me, uh, by the way, this is a quote from John. Thank you, John, uh, led me to real the realization I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, so I've spent the majority of my series, of this series, focused on the Department of Defense and the military, and they still are very important to what is unfolding but devolution is much bigger than just the dod and the military just how much bigger well let's find out so the the uh, executive order governance and intelligence or integration of federal missions uh, resilience on december 7 2020 Donald Trump signed Executive Order 13961, Governance and uh, Integration of Federal Missions uh, Resilience. The executive order was released simultaneously with the Federal Mission uh, Resilience Strategy 2020. Strategy. I believe by the end of this article, you will see the between the former EO and the strategy, the entire framework, For devolution has been sitting in the federal register for everybody to see since December 7th, 2020. So I know we have doubters that listen to this show, and that's fine. Allow me to prove it to you. 13961 of December 7th, 2020. Uh... There's just going to be a lot of reading in this because uh, uh, there's no way you're going to understand it uh, if I don't give it to you. Uh, Let's see here. Governance and integration of federal mission reliance. So by the authority vested in me as president by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America, including... The National Security Act of 1947. Yeah, I don't need to read. It, so I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I just dropped off and I uh, didn't mean to, uh, I don't need to read that. Uh, so by the authority invested in, in me as president by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America, including the National security act of 1947 as amended i hereby order the following this executive order begins by telling us under what authority trump has issued it in addition uh, to the constitution and the laws of the united states the national security act of 1947 is mentioned specifically the national security act of 1947 is found in Chapter 44 of the United States Code, Title 50, War and National Defense, and I advise you guys to go read that. Uh, basically, what it's on if you go to uh, if you go to the uh, <coughs> The national security. If you go to chapter forty-four, it's on page four seventy-nine. Uh, the title fifty war and national defense, chapter forty-four national uh, security, and the short title. So, in the very first paragraph, we were made aware we were made aware of the context that this uh, EO is being issued, and throughout the entire former uh, EO, the praise, national disasters, is never mentioned. Yet, the context of war and national defense is immediately clarified. This is very important. The entire basis for this executive order is discussing continuity of government during war. And you will see more proof of this as we continue. So, and I'm going to read a little bit of this one because it's important. Um, let's see. Section one, policy. It is the policy of the United States to maintain comprehensive and effective uh, community programs that ensure national security and, pay attention, the preser- the preservation of government structure under the United States Constitution and aligned With Presidential Policy Directive 40 of July fifteenth, twenty sixteen, national continuity policy. Executive departments and agencies, including the executive office of the president, must maintain the capability and capacity to continuously perform national essential essential functions as defined by the PPO 40, regardless of the threat or condition. And with the understanding that adequate warning may not be available, uh uh, agency heads must fully uh, uh, integrate preparedness programs, including continually and risk management, into day-to-day operations to ensure the preservation of the ENEFs under all conditions. So, Presidential Policy Directive Forty is a classification classified directive that was issued by Barack Obama. Uh, here's some further background on that. Uh, national Continuity Policy sets forth the policy of the United States to maintain a comprehensive and effective continuity capable through continuity of operations, continuity of government, and enduring constitutional government. Programs ensuring the preservation of government structure under the United States Constitution and continuing uh, uh, performance of NEFs under all conditions. Um, So the PPO 40 itself is still classified as such. We have no way of figuring out the full uh, specifics uh, that that document. Has in it, but we are still able to learn that a few important things about uh, from where the document put forth by FEMA through the Federal Continuity Directive uh, one and Federal Continuity Directive two both were created based on what is now the PPD 40. And once again, you know. Do your own research, folks. I mean, this is uh you don't have to take my word for any of this. It's all out there. Okay. All right. Let's see here. So, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, Trump released this executive order in conjunction with the Federal Mission uh, Resilience Strategy. I'm going to cover the strategy in detail. Uh Probably, probably next episode. we'll get into that. But the whole purpose of the executive order and this uh, strategy is to increase the resilience of executive branch to ensure continuity, continue, continuity of operations, continuity of government and enduring constitutional uh, government. The section indicates a clear goal of moving from a reactive posture to a proactive posture, when it comes to continuity of government and maintaining the NEFs, uh, here's what I find the most interesting: is what's required to make such a transition. In order to shift into a proactive posture, you must specific you must specifically know. All right. So, once again, I apologize for the technical. Uh, (laughs) or at least strongly suspect exactly what might be coming to cause uh, disruption. So let's use a baseball uh, metaphor, all right? So hitting a baseball, it's not easy especially if the pitcher has multiple different pitches to choose from, fastball, curveball, slider. If you don't know what type of pitch is coming your way as a hitter, uh, you are in a reactive posture. You're left guessing. However, if you know your pitches well enough, uh, you can pretty much anticipate exactly which ball might be thrown your way, allowing you to hit way more Home runs, right? So the former executive order and the uh strategy uh consistently mention trying to get to a proactive posture regarding continuity. To me, that means that they already have a pretty clear idea of what the pitch is coming their way. Trump and those planning the devolution operation knew. That the political establishment was going to follow through with stealing the election. And as we get further along, you'll see that the former EO and strategy was Trump's direct response. Federal Mission Resilience Executive Committee. Section three of the former EO establishes an executive committee. Let's look a little bit closer at who's the member, who are the members of the executive committee. Uh, would have been at the time of this executive order. This executive committee would be implementing the uh, the strategy with a goal of ensuring the continuity of operations, continuity of government, and enduring constitutional government. Um, These are the brains behind evolution. I've mentioned some of them before. And pretty important names. So you got the members of the executive committee, right? Chris Miller. Uh, Chad Wolf, who's the Secretary of uh, Homeland Security. We've talked about him a little bit. John Ratcliffe, we've talked about him a lot. Uh, National uh, Director of National Intelligence. Um, let's see. Uh, Robert O'Brien, he's the assistant to the President for National Security Affairs. Uh, assists, let's see, Tony uh, Ornato. He's the assistant to President and Deputy Chief of Staff for Operations, uh, Russell Vault. I know you've heard that name. Uh, he is the director of of uh, management. Yeah, he's director of he's director of the Office of uh, Management. So these guys. Uh, it's a pretty pretty important uh, group here, right? Uh, the director of uh, office and science and technology policy—that's Kevin uh, Dermier. Kevin would only attend when issue concerning science and technology, including uh, uh, communications technology, are on the agenda. I'm including him here because he plays a major role in the exec- execution of the former. EO, and therefore plays a major role in devolution. We'll go over that in detail later on. Uh, the executive committee responsibilities. Here we get to see the former executive committee will actually be doing what they'll be doing. And it's a very uh, it's it's important to understand this. So they're going to coordinate and develop of uh, implementation plans Uh, for the strategy and other uh, continuity policies as described in Section 4B of this order and shall facilitate execution of the plan and other continuity policies. That's big right there. So basically what that means uh, is that the executive committee would be the group responsible for not only developing a plan of continuity, but also facilitating the execution of the plan of continuity. It allows the executive committee to establish surdominant uh, groups responsible for operating and implementing uh, the, that continuity plan in support of the former uh, executive committee. Finally, it allows them to the flexibility to create their own uh, interagency framework to assess and essentially repro- reprioritize the NEFs based on the continuity environment, and and I'll get into that later as well. That's that's big, big, big uh, implementation implementation within ninety days. Through the chief of staff. Uh implementation plan uh, to the president through the chief of staff that sets forth how the executive branch will implement the strategy. The plan shall describe in detail the near, mid, and long term actions necessary to ensure the uninterrupted performance of the NEFs. Uh, Yeah, recommendations by the president through the chief of staff on any uh, actions necessary to align the policies with the implementation of strategy. This section is important because it not only uh, does it outline how the continuity plan would be implemented, but it also gives us a look at under the radar yet key player in the devolution process. That key player is Mark Meadows. Meadows may not be the on the executive committee uh, team, but he clearly plays an important role in facilitating and implementing the former EO and strategy. If you go back and watch Donald Trump's final speech before leaving the presidency from Joint Base Andrews, I've talked about this before, this is important, on January 20, 20th, 2021, you'll notice that Meadows was the only member of the former executive committee to see him off on January 20th. Read the transcript of his speech and you'll see Meadows is actually the only member of Trump's entire cabinet that was publicly acknowledged. I think that that is significant because this executive order has established Meadows as the back channel to President Donald Trump. Knowing that makes this story from early August much more intriguing. Let's briefly review what we just went over before we call this episode to an end. I know it's getting kind of long. We understand the importance of what we have covered so far. This executive order steaming from Trump's war powers is outlining the implementation and execution of, of a continuity plan it describes to us the executive committee who's responsible for implementing and executing that plan it also tells us there are subordinate bodies and working groups involved in supporting the executive committee and their work in implementing and executing the plan it also tells us exactly who serves who would serve as the back channel to the president for this plan Mark Meadows. And you got a section five here, uh, amendment to, uh, designate a national continually, uh, continually, uh, coordinator in section six. Uh, the second sentence is hereby revised to read as follows to advise and assist the president in that function that the assistant to the president for national security Affairs, or his or her uh, designee is designated as the NCC. So the APNSA, aka National Security Advisor, which would be Robert O'Brien, is designated as the new National Continuity Coordinator, which would make sense since he is the chair of the former executive committee and the committee is responsible for implementing and executing a continuance plan. But it also states it could be his or her designing as crazy as this sounds. Literally anybody could be the NCC, whether, (laughs) whether the NCC is Robert O'Brien or somebody he designated, it's becoming clearer. O'Brien plays a major role in devolution and Trump's battle against the political establishment I do want to read one thing here before we go here is an article article from the NPR from January of 2020 of 2020 in an ex- exclusive interview with NPR Robert O'Brien said he expects to have uh, trimmed about a third of the ranks at the National Security Council by the end of next month. Quote, I think the reality is, by the time we finish up, by the end of this month, end of next month, that we'll probably have about 60 to 70 staffers who've gone back to their home agency, O'Brien said. There are about 180 policy staff details to the team when O'Brien took charge in September. Experts on loan from the Pentagon, State Department, Homeland Security, Transportation, and Intelligence Agencies, O'Brien described it as a little bit bloated. So far, about 40 to 50 officials have left the NSC, he said. Steamlining the team will provide... Information and advice to the president, president, no, I should say president, for his biggest diplomatic and security decisions was one of O'Brien's top priorities when he took over as Trump's national security advisor in September. Quote, you sort of see, see a very messy decision on the Solomon strike. One that didn't seem to sort of have all of the T's crossed and the I's dotted, said John Gaines, author of the White House Warriors, a book about the NSC. Gaines said Trump is wary of leaks and seems uh, averse to advice and guidance like the kind of guidance traditionally given by the NSC. It doesn't help that some of the trust uh, damning testimony against Trump in the impeachment bearing came from people working for the NSC. This decision on Iran, you can't divorce it from President Trump's sort of war against the so-called deep state, Gaines said. What he calls the deep state is is really what everyone else calls American experts on Iran, Iraq, and every other foreign policy. <laughs> O'Brien said the ranks of the NSC had, at one point, swelled as large as 236 staffers during the Obama administration. He says a smaller NSC makes the more effective coordination. It allows the State Department, and pentagon to do their jobs he says a big nsc can be uh, tempted to go operational and get more involved in diplomatic and military operations better suited for the cabinet and he actually he actually went on to say this i look back at the cuban missile crisis and i think folks Believe Kennedy, President Kennedy handled the crisis pretty well, O'Brien said. He had 12 policy staffers at the NSC during that time. So, and then a quote from a uh, Red State article reported on the likelihood of Trump. Uh, uh, finally announcing in October, announced a plan to cut the National Security Council dramatically, uh, one of which, which played a key role in undermining Trump's Ukrainian foreign policy and then placed himself at the center of the now-failed impeachment effort. So, yeah, so this is nothing new, but but it's pretty big. I mean... And think about the second episode that we had. Remember us speaking about that? Uh, devolution could. Well. Hold on one second. Sorry. I wanted to read that one piece to you. And then I know we'll, we'll be. Uh... So remember this. Second second episode, uh, Devolution Could Circumvent the Normal Constitution Provisions. Uh, The article was published on March 18, 2020, and claims standby orders were issued uh, more than three weeks ago to ready these plans. That means in February of 2020, Trump had ordered the military to review and prepare the uh, continuity of government plans. I think the timeline of this is essential. Interesting, isn't it? At around the same time as the military was preparing plans for the continuing of government, Trump and the head of the NSC were in the process of streamlining the team at the NSC by removing those that the NPR and mockingly uh, characterized as the deep state gaslight. Gaslight that much? I mean... (laughs) So in order for devolution to work effectively, having the right people in place is, is a necessity as it uh, is making an effort to minimize the chance of any leaks or resistance as the plan is set in motion. There were clearly necessary steps being taken to remove known leakers and those likely to interfere And we're going to touch on the NSC again later on because they actually play an important role in the creation of the executive order and strategy. All right, folks, that's about all the time we do have for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, You've been listening to the Red Pill Current News Podcast, special report, Devolution Number 17. Talk to you soon. Have a wonderful rest of your day. As always, God bless and God bless America. Thank you.